but whose rich smells come from another world to the bird's eyefish fingers and frozen peas that my brothers and I have for our tea after Blue Peter and Captain Pugwash. My father's culinary gift lies in his appreciation. He venerates my mother's cooking as if she were the galloping gourmet, and he always says her latest creation is really first class. I like the galloping gourmet, but not as much as I like Douglas Bader or Stanford Tuck. I like Achilles and Hector, too, and Don Quixote, Biggles, Mary Plain, Peter Rabbit, and all sorts of other animals that can talk. And the more I read, the more clear I become about what I really want to be. I want to be a hero. But I don't tell anyone about it this time. Wanting to be a hero feels like a guilty secret, when you're short and plump and not much good at anything except reading and screaming. So I keep it to myself, and count the days to my twenty-first birthday, hoping that Great Aunt Beryl made a mistake. But I'll admit it now, I've wanted to be a hero ever since. Deep down, perhaps all men do. The question is, how does one train to be a hero, assuming one is not gifted with all the attributes of an Achilles, a Captain Scott, or a Skywalker? There is no ladybird book on the subject, and evening classes in heroism have yet to catch on in the home counties. I am not talking about the kind of shining hero who rushes in to save children from burning buildings or flailing women from floods. Nor am I talking about being a public hero fated for great deeds. I have in mind a quieter sort of hero, someone you almost don't notice when you pass them in the street, the kind of person who, through the way he or she lives their life, bravely and simply and openly, can somehow be a force for good. Chapter 2 The End of the Beginning My sorry childhood was as safe and soft as a padded cell in an open prison. The only limitations were the natural restrictions of the Surrey mindset where doing something wild meant buying a BMW instead of a Cortina. Ambition was a well-paid job in the city, and art was the bloke who sang the high bits in Bridge Over Troubled Water. No childhood rebellion, no fashionable expulsion for me. I had had my tantrums. I was the swatty goody-goody who begged to be allowed to stay at school for extra lessons on a Saturday afternoon, and played Chopin and Schubert instead of football and cricket. I could bash away at our tiny upright piano for hours on end, trying to play pieces that were far too hard for me. My school nicknames were Brain and Ritz Crackers. I was as rugged as a banana. When I was nine, my parents went to live abroad in Bogota. I was frightened of abroad. Abroad meant dusty roads and sunburn. It meant women with moustaches and men with too much aftershave. Abroad, people tried to touch our hair because it was blonde. Abroad, people wanted to kidnap our dad because he was the boss. I was afraid of alone, too. Alone meant that my parents had left without me. Alone was screaming in a foreign bathroom, while maids with moustaches muttered outside the door about what to do in a language I didn't understand. Alone meant having no one to distract me, from the alarming prospect of being myself. Boarding school was better than abroad, better than Surrey, too. At Windlesham, 
It felt as if someone had flung open the windows of a stuffy room, allowing fresh air and the sounds and smells of nature to flood in. There were no uniforms, enough Latin, few rules, and no bullying. There were girls, too, and you were encouraged to talk to them. At night, Greek myths and Chopin ballades were piped into speakers in all the dormitories to help her sleep. I thought I had been sent to heaven. One day, our geography teacher took us to visit a real farm, and we drank warm, foaming milk straight from a cow. My best friend Toby and I made survival kits, army pouches filled with useful gadgets, like pocket tin openers and fish hooks and matches dipped in nail varnish to waterproof them. Toby lived abroad, too, in the Malaysian jungle with his sister Alice, who was very pretty and always homesick. Toby was forever getting into trouble.